you'll notice that I'm now in Angela's office and we had a little problem with my computer. So Angela very graciously is lending me hers to give my sermon. I used to work as a chaplain at a hospital outside of Buffalo. And one time I was in the ICU and I met a woman who was in deep spiritual pain. She was very sick and she was racked with guilt about something she had done 45 years before. 45 years before, she and her boyfriend got pregnant and he asked her to get an abortion and she did. Now, decades later, as she faced her own mortality, she was afraid that she had done something so terrible that God would not welcome her to heaven. Well, one of the core practices of good chaplaincy is working with the patient's theology, not mine. So I asked her about her understanding of God. And she said things, but one of the things she said is that God is love. And that gave me an opening. I talked to her about how my understanding of God is that God is loving, non-judgmental. God understood how people made hard decisions and sometimes mistakes. She seemed to hear that, and we prayed together, and she was much more at peace by the time I left her. But I was shaking my head as I walked back to my office. This poor woman was so sick, and she was spending so much energy thinking about a decision that she made under duress 45 years before. And the source of her anguish was a religious teaching, a religious teaching that created an intense stigma for her. There's a truth that despite the, the general idea of what religions talk, how religions talk about abortion, there's actually much more nuance in religious teachings about reproductive choice. And I wanna take this opportunity to walk through some of the teachings of some of the major traditions to show just how they think about reproductive choice. And we'll start close to home with Christianity. This of course is the source of that Unitarian Universalism comes out of, but we've since become so much more than Christianity. Christianity's sacred text is the Bible, and there are two biblical references that have been used by those opposed to contraception and abortion. Psalm 139, 13, and Jeremiah 1.5. The first one, the Psalm reads, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Similarly, Jeremiah reads, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. However, Christians usually have not heard the texts that assume a fetus is not a person. Specifically, Exodus 21 describes a situation in which a pregnant woman who intervenes in a fight between two men when she is injured and suffers a miscarriage as a result. And the penalty for that is the payment of a fine. And that would not have been possible if a human life had been taken. In Numbers, the book of Numbers, a husband who suspects his wife has committed adultery can take her to the priests. They will make her take a potion that, if she is guilty, will make her womb discharge and her uterus drop. If she is not guilty, then she shall be immune and able to conceive children. 
you know, as usual, the Bible is full of gems of wisdom and ethical teachings, and it's also a hot mess that contradicts itself over and over. And we see that in the many different flavors of Christianity. You know, progressive Protestant traditions preach the right of a woman to make the best decision as she sees it, while some evangelical sects and the Catholic Church take a hard line against any ability of a woman to choose for herself. The Catholic position on abortion and contraception is especially problematic. Problematic not just because their teachings deny women the ability to make choices about their health care and deny couples the ability to make choices about planning their families. They are problematic because the Catholic Church is aggressive about lobbying the government to make Catholic theologies the law of the land. That is, imposing those Catholic beliefs on everyone, whether they are Catholic or not Catholic. It's so dangerous and so contrary to the spirit of separation of church and state. However, the Catholics, all people who are practicing Catholics are not a monolith. There's an organization called Catholics for Choice that is advocating for changes on these theologies from within. And by the by, two Fridays ago, First Unitarian hosted a celebration for Father Ann Trapiano, a woman who just got ordained as a Catholic priest via the Women's Ordination Conference. And I'm so delighted for her and her vision of a more inclusive and accountable Roman Catholic Church. And I imagine that if women could be priests and be in leadership in the mainstream Roman Catholic Church, the teachings of that church on reproductive freedom would be very different. For Judaism, the position on abortion is pretty clear. The legal codes and rabbinical teachings tend to depict the fetus as part of a woman's body. However, just as one may not wantonly mutilate one's own body, so too a woman is not permitted to obtain an abortion merely for reasons of convenience. But just as she's permitted to sacrifice a portion of her own body for her greater good, so too may she obtain permission for an abortion in order to assure her overall well-being. In Jewish tradition, the fetus is not a person. It has no rights. So abortion is permissible under a wide variety of circumstances. All four non-Orthodox Jewish movements, Reform, Reconstructionist, Conservative, and Humanist, are on the record as opposing any governmental regulation of abortion. Buddhism faces the fact that abortion may sometimes be the best decision and a truly moral choice. For Buddhists, that doesn't mean that there's nothing troubling about abortion, but it does mean that Buddhists may understand the complexity, the, that reproductive decisions are part of the moral complexity of life. So here's a statement from the Japanese American Buddhist Churches of America. It is the woman carrying the fetus and no one else who must in the end make this most difficult decision and live with it for the rest of her life. As Buddhists, we can only encourage her to make a decision that is both thoughtful and compassionate. On to Islam. There is a consensus among Muslims that abortion is allowed if the life of the woman is endangered at any period during the pregnancy. Some scholars have now taken the position that the fetus is to be treated as a person from the moment of conception, but that is actually, uh, so that would, have, that would forbid any abortion, but this actually contradicts 
the classical Islamic practice in which the fetus was never seen as a legal person before birth. In the Quran, Surah 46 and line 15, and surahs are the word for individual chapters of the Quran, 46, 15, it says, we have enjoyed, um, enjoined on man kindness to his parents. In pain did his mother bear him, and in pain did she give him birth. This interpretation of some, the interpretation of some Islamic scholars is that God has singled out the, the woman for mention when speaking of the duties of a person towards his parents, that that shows that her pain must be taken into consideration first and foremost. And the final decision about bringing a child into the world must be hers. Throughout all these traditions, the various religions seem to imply that they wish no abortions would happen. And that feels like adding a stigma that doesn't help. Similarly, I've heard people imply that every abortion is a gut-wrenching decision. But I've spoken with and read of many women for whom it was a very easy decision, an obvious no-brainer. Perhaps you've heard politicians say that abortion should be safe and legal and rare. That rare is a weird tempt, attempt to hedge their opinions, and I think it's not necessary. Abortion is okay. Similarly, there's a lot of hand-wringing about late, later-term abortions, and again, I think that's a way of not saying the full truth, that is that an abortion is the decision of the woman and only the woman. During his run for president, Peter Buttigieg, who was raised Catholic and now is now Episcopalian, was asked about third trimester abortions. And I thought his answer showed real integrity. Here's what he said. So let's put ourselves in the shoes of a woman in that situation, meaning having a late term abortion. If it's that late in your abortion, in your pregnancy, then almost by definition, you've been expecting to carry it to term. We're talking about women who have perhaps chosen a name, women who've purchased a crib, families that then get the most devastating medical news of their lifetime, something about the health or life of the mother or the viability of the pregnancy that forces them to make an impossible, unthinkable choice. And the bottom line is that as horrible as that choice is, that woman, that family may seek spiritual guidance, they may seek, seek medical guidance, but that decision is not gonna be made any better medical or medically or morally because the government is dictating how that decision should be made. So where is Unitarian Universalism in all this? In 2015, the UUA voted to affirm a statement of conscience on reproductive justice. It's long and you can find it on the UUA website, but I wanna talk and actually read a couple of excerpts from that statement. First goes, the world we envision includes social, political, legal, and economic systems that support everyone's freedom of reproductive choice and expression of gender identity and sexuality, especially the most vulnerable and marginalized. In such a world, all communities are places of equality, abundance, and safety, free from violence, oppression, and hazardous environments. This world includes access to safe, affordable, and culturally and developmentally appropriate childcare and healthcare. In our vision, everyone has access to accurate information about sexuality and family planning and safe, 
healthy and culturally sensitive reproductive health services. And the next section I want to read is, is from the section on the theological grounding for this position of the UA. Unitarian Universalists support gender equality, positive sexuality, diverse sexual expression, and the individual's right to make reproductive choices. Such choices are influenced by social and political systems, as well as by factors such as racial cultural identity, economic status, immigration citizenship status, relationship with the justice system, health status, and ability. Our religious tradition directs us to respect the diversity of faith traditions that surround us and insists that no singular religious viewpoint or creed guide the policies of our government. Preach. Our pluralistic congregations include diverse beliefs, backgrounds, and personal stories, yet we unite in striving to live out the values and principles that call us to work for reproductive justice in spite of the complexities of the issues. That's the end of the quote. That statement of conscience is inspiring, but it's also a leaping off point, just a leaping off point. And it points the way that we Unitarian Universalists must follow that way. So earlier this month, First Unitarian sponsored a public reading of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision. And you'd think that listening to a legal decision might be a little boring, but folks who attended agreed that it was compelling and full of fascinating insights. Now we collaborated with the New Mexico Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, and I'm a big friend, a big fan of the New Mexico RCRC. If you're interested in doing more, the RCRC offers a variety of ways to support the cause. Of course, you can make a donation. You know how it is with money. It's always the right color. But you can also give your time. For example, you can be a legal observer. Legal observers are especially trained to monitor abortion provider clinics for activities that violate the Freedom of Access to Clinical Entrances Act. You can be an advocacy volunteer. They're looking for activists interested in phone banking, data entry, writing personal notes to patients, and making safe sex kits all through New Mexico. And you can be a driver for patients. Our volunteer drivers are providing transportation for patients coming to New Mexico for abortion access, coming from places such as Texas, for example. But back to the positions of different faiths on abortion. When we consider the, the persuasiveness of these religious teachings, we should consider the values behind them. What is valued? Who is valued? And who is considered disposable? Ultimately, where does this theology take us? To help answer these questions, I want to share a quote from James Baldwin. It is not too much to say that whoever wishes to become a truly moral human being must first divorce themselves from all the prohibitions, crimes, and hypocrisies of the Christian church. If the concept of God has any validity or use, it can only be to make us larger, freer, and more loving. If God cannot do this, then it is time that we got rid of him. Baldwin's critique focuses on Christianity, but I think it applies to any religion. So religion does not make us larger, freer, more loving. We should get rid of it. 
So whether a person can make a religious argument for against for or against reproductive freedom really depends on whether or not that religion that the person is using for the argument is patriarchal or not. And here's an easy way to tell if a religion is patriarchal. If the religion refers to God as him, it's patriarchal. Ultimately, I think religious debates about reproductive choice are about patriarchy. Patriarchy, for folks who don't know, it's, it's sort of a jargony thing, but that is the legal, institutional, and cultural systems that give power to men and oppress women. Women are told what to do all the time. Women are told what to wear all the time. And they're told what to think all the time. The last thing they need is to be told what to do with their bodies. Women fight for control of their lives every day, every single day. And this is the result of patriarchy, patriarchy that's shored up by a lot of religion. I think it's the work of Unitarian Universalism to help us be larger, freer, and more loving. So let's dismantle the patriarchy, fight for reproductive choice. So be it, and blessed be.